At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. This is the Wicked South Podcast, exploring the dark history of the Murdoch legal dynasty and fascinating criminal cases on both sides of the law. When Alex Murdoch needed quick and easy cash to support his shady and shadowy lifestyle, when he needed help stealing from his trusting clients, he turned to his old pal and crony, Russell Lafitte heir to a century-old low-country banking empire. While the Murdochs ran the local legal system, the Lafitte's controlled much of the money, so it was not a difficult conspiracy to pull off. This week, Lafitte, convicted for his role in the Alex Murdoch crime saga, will find out his fate as the federal government prepares to sentence him for his crimes. But as we take a deep dive into low-country history on this episode of the Wicked South podcast, you will see that Hampton County has a history of corrupt, colorful, and controversial bankers. Hello, friend. So grateful that you've decided to spend time with us on the Wicked South podcast. That, of course, was the wonderful voice of historian, storyteller, journalist, author, Michael DeWitt Jr. Michael, hello. Good morning. Good morning, good morning. Yes, uh... As we're recording this on uh, the 31st day of July, August 1st is when Russell Lafitte will be in federal court, and Seton Tucker is there now in Charleston and will be there for the hearing, and we will talk more about that later in the week on the Impact of Influence pod, and probably have Michael on to discuss that further, but it all comes down to banking. Now, we want you to reach out to us on our Facebook page, The Wicked South Podcast. And before we get into the story, uh, Michael, you were so kind to offer up a copy of your book. And, and then we said anybody who chimes in or, or gives us a thumbs up or likes this post is eligible. We'll randomly pick somebody to win the book. And who is that, Michael? Uh, how good are you at doing a drum roll there, Matt? Okay. And the winner is <laughs> Kim Patterson. Alderson. 
Yeah, Kim Patterson Alderson. She has got an autographed copy of Michael's book. Wicked Hampton County. That's yes. right. And if uh, if Kim will send us her mailing address and uh, let me know how she wants the book uh, personally signed, I I like to do a, a personal signature for if a reader cares enough to to buy the book and and have it autographed. I like to make it out to to them or, or you know sometimes I write a little something funny in there like don't be wicked or something like that. So ah. however she wants it signed, I'll do it and I'll put it in the mail. Uh, probably Tuesday or Wednesday. Seton Tucker's out today. I'm Matt Harris, Michael DeWitt here. Before we take a trip down into the past, you know Russell Lafitte. You've had some personal experience with him, correct? Yeah, uh, and nothing, you know, nothing uh, really, really bad on the level of some of the, the crimes he's been accused of. But yeah, obviously, being a lifelong resident of Hampton, I know the Lafitte family. I banked there. My, my father banked there by my grandparents bank there at Palmetto State Bank and I actually went to school with Russell he was a year or two ahead of me he and John Marvin were kind of John Marvin Murdoch Alex's little brother were kind of in the same in the same uh, class a year or two ahead of me and I just have memories when all this came out you know it kind of got me thinking when I was a younger man I've had several occasions where I you know go to the bank and um, you know up and coming uh, young man trying to to build a life, start a family, and um, and sat across the table from from Russell Lafitte, and uh, you know been been turned down for loans. You know <laughs> you don't don't have enough credit, or uh, you don't have enough collateral, whatever. Uh, sorry, you have to try somewhere else, or whatever. And then that's just that's just a fact of life. And you right. know, but when I think about it in this context, how many blue collar, hardworking Hampton County people have sat across the table from Russell? You know, he was a loan officer before he became uh, CEO of the bank. He was the guy you talked to about a loan. Okay. Whether he wanted a, a loan on a car or a house, he was the guy you talked to. And, uh, you know, how many hardworking people got turned down for loans? And all the while, he's he's stealing money from other accounts and other clients. And it just kind of amazes me when I, when I sit back and, and think about it now, you know. You might know how many years Russell Lafitte has received to be in the federal prison by the time you listen to this podcast. And speaking of the podcast, let's get the Wicked South episode going. Now, the, uh, the Murdochs weren't always in cahoots with local bankers. During the Great Depression and the financial collapse, a lot of bankers went to almost any means necessary to hang on to their fortunes, including breaking the law. And Alec Murdoch's great-grandfather, Randolph Murdoch Sr., was the man who would put them away. When I look back in, in the Murdoch history and see the relationship between Alex and, and Russell now and how they allegedly conspired together to, to steal from, uh, from Alex's clients, you know, vulnerable people, a quadriplegic, uh, young children who lost uh, their mother in a car accident. And I look back in history and Alex's great-grandfather, Randolph Sr., who started the, the entire Murdoch legal uh, legacy, I think he would not be pleased or proud of, of Alex or and what he's done to this family name and his family legacy. When you look back, he was at the peak of his legal career during the Great Depression. So all of these banks were collapsing and these these bankers would, would do things, you know, like they would accept money knowing that the bank was was bankrupt and going out of business. They would still take people's money or, um, oh, you know, geez. or. And just different ways of violating the banking laws. And Murdoch prosecuted 
three of the largest banks in Hampton County at the time, September 21, 1926, the Grand, Hampton County Grand Jury indicted officers at three banks in Hampton County, the Merchants and Planners Bank of Arnville, the Merchants and Planners Bank of Brunson, and the Bank of Hampton. And Randolph Sr. prosecuted those cases and also prosecuted bankers in other counties, Beaufort, Lancaster, Allendale, Charleston. So he made a legal career of going after these crooked, dirty bankers. And now you look back 100 years later, and it's just kind of amazing to see his descendant is, is conspiring with a, with a dirty banker. And it's, you know, my, how the, how the mighty have fallen. Right. Well, you know, in the uh, courthouse, they had to take down Randolph Sr.'s uh, picture, along with the other Murdochs that were solicitors during the trial, so they couldn't stare over at Alec. I imagine their eyes would be moving like in a Scooby-Doo or something. Let's uh, talk a little bit about another banker uh, from back in the day, Banker Bowden. Uh, some call him the, the most interesting banker in Hampton County history. You know, I'm kind of fascinated by some of these historical characters, like like Randolph Sr. we just mentioned. I get the impression from him that he was, that he was, uh, you know, that he wasn't like his son and uh, Buster, who was accused of all kinds of crimes. He wasn't, he, you know, nothing like Alex. He got the impression that he was a ambitious, hardworking guy that believed in the law. I'm also intrigued by this banker, Banker Bowden. His name is Ralph Olin Bowden. And I want to clarify now, we're, we're talking about, earlier we were talking about Crooked Bankers and this the Wicked South podcast, but uh, Banker Bowden was never accused of any crime. I want to go ahead and get that out there. I, okay. I know his family members. I've talked to them, interviewed them. They've shared wonderful stories about um, about uh, Banker Bowden or Old Man Bowden, as he was called. He wasn't a crook. Let's get that straight. He wasn't, it was never accused of, of any crimes. He was just uh, the most interesting uh banker in Hampton County history, in my opinion, because he was very colorful, sometimes controversial, but very colorful, very interesting character that uh, that kind of played by his own rules and, you know, didn't give a damn who liked it and who didn't, you know. So give us a little background on Banker Bowden and how he began his banking business. They started the, uh, the Loan and Exchange Bank on Main Street in Hampton back in 1907. And that's the, the predecessor, the ancestor to Palmetto State Bank. And we can get to that uh, in a minute. But twice, Banker Bowden made national uh, headlines. Once was uh, more controversial um, and would certainly be controversial today. He had a habit of hanging the Confederate flag, um, like more than one flag, um, on the front of the bank. And then he had a, a flag waving at the top of the bank. Mm. And this is back in the 50s, you know, Civil Jeez. War. Uh, long over. This is 1950s. And um, the Associated Press did an article on him for, you know, waving at the Confederate flag. There was a lot of mail coming in to to the AP and to uh, Banker Bowden's office. You know, some people say supporting, you know, the daughters of the Confederacy. We're we're so proud of you. And then other people like, I can't believe 100 years after the Civil War, you're still waving this flag. I think the the latter was why he was doing it. Yeah. um, And the second time that he, uh, he made national news, was when he uh, reached out to a former, uh, a famous former bank robber, Big Jim Morton. Big Jim Morton. Can't wait to hear more about that. And we'll circle back to his friendship with his former bank robber. But I want to t- get the tie-in to Banker Bowden's bank and how it became the Lafitte Bank. Tell me about those roots. 
That's right. In the um, in the fifties, about the mid fifties, the Feet family purchased that bank. I believe it's nineteen fifty five. Banker Bowden and his partner uh, William Malden. They sold the bank to the Lafitte family in 1955, and they operated under that same name for a little while, and then they later kind of absorbed it into uh, the current bank uh, now, Palmetto State Bank. And when you look back on their history, they, they trace their roots to, you know, they say they're a bank with a century-long tradition. They trace their roots to 1907, to the Loan Exchange Bank, and now they own banks in several uh, low country counties. Well, they, they took down the Confederate flag, Lafitte family. Yeah, right? I think that's the first thing they did was take down the Confederate flag. Right. <laughs> yeah, that's not uh, great for a bank to have flying out front. Let's yep. move to the historical tie-in with Banker Bowden and Hampton's famous clock that is in downtown Hampton. If you go down, uh, we call it Main Street. It's Lee Avenue, historic mm-hmm. downtown Lee Avenue. There's a clock that is basically a, a landmark icon of, of Hampton. And he purchased the clock and had it erected right there on Main Street. And just, you know, long after the bank was gone and long after Banker Bowden uh, retired and passed away, that, that clock is still there and still ticking. The, the town recently spent a few thousand dollars to give it a facelift. And oh. it still ticks away the time uh, when you drive by. I remember uh, back in, you know, my my younger days and many generations like us, we'd all park on Main Street and hang out with friends or, or talk to girls or whatever. And, uh, you know, you might park under the shadow of the clock and and uh, try to pick up a, a, a girlfriend or, or talk to your buddies, you know, right there on Main Street in hand. Let's talk a little bit more about Banker Bowden's or Old Man Bowden, as you called by the locals, some of his uh, eccentric ways that he did his banking. I had the pleasure of interviewing his family members, his descendants, for a historical project called Sawcatches 2. And they shared just some wonderful stories about this guy. I think I really would have liked him. Number one, he was very old-fashioned, very old-school. He would lend you money on a mule, but he was real hesitant about lending money on these newfangled Ford cars and trucks, you know. You know, wanted to borrow money to buy a mule, he'd go out there and and check the mule's teeth and... and (laughs) check his, his coat and make sure he was a healthy animal and he'd lend you the money, but you pull up there in a, in a Ford model a or model T and he's like, I don't know about this. This thing, this contraption might break down. Oh jeez. Um, <laughs> yeah. And uh, he was a supporter of the wet or pro alcohol movement that I can stand behind. So he would loan money for things that he assumed were going toward bootlegging, like copper tubing and, and barrels and, Things that would construct a moonshine liquor still. He was all about uh, giving loans for that, I guess, right? Yeah. He, you know, he knew a smart, thriving business plan. And <laughs> throughout the decades, uh, Hampton County has had a history of, uh, of moonshine and then bootleg. And if you look back around the state, really, after the Civil War, you know, the counties, sometimes counties would, would outlaw liquor on their own. The state outlawed liquor. For a while, even the federal government had national prohibition. Yeah. That didn't keep people from drinking. And the banker, you know, he he was a drinking man himself. So he <laughs> he he supported the wet movement when it was a, a political issue in Hampton County. You had the dry movement, um, which ironically was headed up by the uh, famous Hampton Undertaker, E.M. Peoples. The Undertaker favored the dry movement and thought whiskey and drinking were just evil. 
and the banker supported it, and he was certainly loaned money to a moonshiner in a in a in a heartbeat. <laughs> and probably in exchange for a few gallons of moonshine for himself. Well, that's what I would do. That's the way I'd play it. Yeah. <laughs> we mentioned that he does weird, uh, like collateral things, and the one was that a med school student comes into town. He's just he's got nothing. He wants a loan. What old male bowed and uh, asked for collateral? This is another story I picked up from uh, that Saucatchee Stew interview, and I didn't. This was in Wicked Hampton County. I didn't include the the uh, the doctor's name, but I'll go ahead and share it now. Doctor Pulaski, I believe, was the doctor that you know he wasn't from Hampton, and he moved here with his family to start a you know a medical practice. And he was actually my family doctor for for years until he retired mm. and later passed away. He he was uh, the Dewitt family doctor, Doctor Count Pulaski. Well, <laughs> he showed up and. Wanted to borrow money, open up a practice, buy him a home, and had nothing but his but his hat, his wife, and his children. And so the banker allegedly, you know, asked them how old the kids were and everything, and put their names on the loan document for collateral. You know, <laughs> the wife and kids it was his collateral. And uh, I I thought that was was very interesting. If it's anything like my kids, there were days I would have said, "All right, here's your collateral. Take these kids." Um, <laughs> but then I want it back. I love them. I'm love them. I'm joking. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward with each new idea, innovation, and partnership. We're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Ah, spring. Nothing like the world progressing towards summer to inspire your own progress. That's what life's all about in your career, relationships, and your finances. Let's talk about that last one. With the Chime Secured Credit Builder Visa Credit Card, it's easy to start building credit with everyday purchases and regular on-time payments with no annual fees or interest. So your weekly grocery run can feel even more productive and that morning coffee can taste like a little victory. And if your credit scores grow, so could your opportunities to get lower rates on loans, like for a new ride or finally having a home to call your own. Sounds like progress, right? With Chime Secured Credit Card, you can start improving your credit scores right away. Get started today at Chime.com build. That's Chime.com build. Chime. Feels like progress. The Chime Credit Builder Visa Credit Card is issued by Bancorp Bank N.A. or Stride Bank N.A. Members FTIC. Out-of-network ATM withdrawal and OTC advance fees may apply. Terms and conditions apply. Go to Chime.com disclosures for details. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. As a side business, Old Man Bowden, the old banker, owned a livestock stable called Horses and Asses? Yeah. That's right. Uh, <laughs> the best of my research is located where uh, Rigdon's Fried Chicken is kind of a, a, a local landmark here um, in Hampton. It's located very close to the old Weston House Nevermar factory that closed down a few years ago. But it's right on the railroad track. Yeah, yeah. The small uh, standalone building, right? That's right. A little yeah. small building, nothing yeah. fancy. But they say the chicken is so good it would stop a train, you know, because the locomotive drivers would stop and you'd uh, get out and grab a, 
two piece and some biscuits and get back on the train and head off to Augusta or whatever. So that's where horses and asses were located. And he has a, a legend, you know, just like the Murdochs had their legendary mystique. Uh, part of his legend was that he kept more money in the bank than he was supposed to. I think the federal regulations said you could only keep so much. After that, you have to turn it over to the Treasury or, or do something with it. He didn't give a damn what the federal government thought. He, he, he ran his bank his way, and he wanted to keep millions in there. That was his business. So whenever the federal regulators would come around, he uh, had one of his assistants go and bury money in, in the stable, the horses and asses ah. uh, uh, business, underneath the hay in the, in the stable where nobody would be likely to look. And then when the federal regulators would leave, they'd go and dig it up and put it back in the bank. So when you earlier said he wasn't breaking uh, a lot of laws, there might be a few that he was he was dancing around. Yeah, I mean, he wasn't stealing money. There's no evidence he was ever stealing any money or anything. Right. But the government hey. says, you know, you can't keep so much money in your bank. He's, you know, basically right. just thumbing his nose at the, the regulations. I think he broke rules and regulations and not laws. <laughs> yes. And Horses and Asses, uh, incidentally, was also the name of the gentleman's club that opened down the street. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I think he's, that I read he's one of the only banks or maybe the only bank. That survived the Great Depression in Hampton? Yeah. And I don't remember where I found that. Uh, wow. That may have came from an oral interview with his family. Um, so I don't, you know, I don't know if it's 100% accurate, but that's what they right. claim. They claim that his bank, when all the other banks in the Great Depression were, were collapsing and going under, think about it. He's kept plenty of money. He doesn't mind l- lending money to moonshiners. Right. Mules are still a solid investment in Great Depression when, when nobody's got any money. If you got a mule, you're not going hungry. <laughs> right on. You can plow the field. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So let's move to this unlikely friendship between the old banker and this notorious former bank robber. How did the two get connected with, with Bowden and James Big Jim Morton? Big Jim was a was a notorious bank robber uh, out of Cleveland, Ohio. And he, you know, like most criminals, eventually uh, you get caught. And he did some time in prison. He paid his dues to society. And he gets out, and he became even more famous and notorious when the Saturday Evening Post wrote a series on him. They thought he was a fascinating character, and now that he was out, you know, enjoying a, a, a law-abiding retirement, they did a series on him called I Was the King of Thieves, and it ran in the Saturday Evening hmm. Post, which, as you know, is a, a great national publication. And Bowden read it and saw, just thought this guy was just just super fascinating. So... He wrote him a letter and, uh, you know, said, hey, I read about you. I'm, I'm a big fan. I, I'm a banker, by the way. And they, they kind of swapped letters. And uh, he invited Big Jim to come visit him. And he had, you know, I think he had several motives there. He was, number one, fascinated by the guy. But he also wanted to pick his brain, you know, about bank security and, and things of that nature. So he invited him to Hampton County. Uh, yeah, you want to talk to the guy to find out how he broke into banks so you can prevent it. That's right. Yeah. He, uh, he asked him, you know, in the in the article I read, he asked him several questions like, how would you break into this vault? How would you ah. break into this bank? What's the most money you've ever stolen or, or gotten, you know? Yeah. And uh, one thing was most notable, and Big Jim pointed this out when he was interviewed, he invited him to his uh, his fish camp. He had a fish camp on the Savannah River at a place called Pink Ridge Hill. So they spent time in the Savannah River. 
uh, fishing, you know, probably drinking a little bit of moonshine, talking <laughs> about bank robbing. But Big Jim pointed out that he didn't invite me to his house in Hampton. <laughs> this is what Big Jim Morton told the press. Uh, Ralph is the first banker and probably will be the last to invite me to his home. Though I did notice the invitation was to his Savannah River place and not to his home in Hampton near the bank. <laughs> <laughs> didn't want to get him too close to it all. That's right. Another great question was a reporter asked uh, Big Jim, uh, has he ever robbed uh you know, any of the loan and exchange banks. And he told him, not yet. <laughs> not yet. Nice, nice. Well, and then these two become famous for being buddies, and eventually they get to New York City, right, to be on a TV show. Now, this is a little before my time. Uh, when I came <laughs> up, with my family had had TVs. But back back in uh, in your time and in Seton's time, since y'all are a little older than I am, y'all sat around and listened to the radio, right? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yes, we had one channel, and that's all we had. No. What was the name of the show? Oh, We the People, right? That's right. It was. It's my understanding that it was, it was a radio show that would come on like on Thursday, and then on Friday it was a TV show. So you, however you wanted to listen to it, it was We the People, and that whole banker-bank robber relationship was was so captivating to the national audience that uh, – that they did, they um, NBC did a, did a story on it. They actually, uh, um, we ran a picture in the Guardian back then of the banker, and the bank robber, and they're squatting down in front of a safe, um, talking. And that picture ran, you know, in national. It was on TV and and everything. But when you look at it, the bank robber is all clean cut, wearing a suit, you know, shaved. And banker Bowden is kind of rumpled. He's got disheveled hair. He he. If you didn't know any better, you would think that the banker was the was the criminal by by the appearances of the picture. Very interesting picture, and it's also in Wicked Hampton County. I want to talk about the latter years. Do we know what happened to Banker Bowden? I don't have the year of his death in front of me, but I talked to, a, and this is a very interesting uh, conversation, I talked to a, an older gentleman uh, not too long ago after the book came out and he read about Banker Bowden. He called me up and he said, you know, I was a, a newspaper uh, boy back in, in my childhood. I would deliver to Guardian, um, you know, decades ago. And so I, I delivered a paper every Thursday to uh, to Banker Bowden. And he was always nice to me, but he was very eccentric. He came out, uh, sometimes he came out of his house, you know, he's, he's retired. He's already sold his bank for a lot of money to the Lafitte family. So he just kind of hangs around. He comes out of his house wearing a bathrobe and the young man said, as a boy, I just re- only main thing I remember about him was in one pocket of his bathrobe, he always kept a pistol. And in the other pocket, <laughs> he always kept a bottle of, of, of whiskey. Nice. And uh, I just <laughs> think kind of reminds me of some of my older relatives. And I just find him <laughs> a very fascinating historical figure. <laughs> <laughs> great stories. Great stories. And people are loving the Wicked South podcast. Uh, it's on Facebook, the Wicked South podcast. And uh, Jill has a comment. Great combination of balanced journalism and wickedly fun storytelling in this new venture. Love the combination of personalities here. As much as I love Matt and Seton, Michael DeWitt is an extraordinary addition. I'm down for whatever's next. Thank you, Jill. And uh, this is a good question. Kelly uh, asked the question, bought the book, will the pod ruin it for me? What do you tell people that ask that, Michael? Absolutely not. There, there are a lot of stories uh, that we will touch on that come from Wick Hampton County. There are stories that come from the, the next book, Follow the House of Murdoch. 
I think the podcast will enhance your experience because we will touch on some things. For example, uh, in Follow the House of Murdoch, we we touch on the Charlotte Strangler, and then we go into much more detail in the in the recent podcast episode we did. So certainly, it will not ruin you know any any of these books. I just think they kind of kind of go hand in hand, go well together. Agree with you. Agree with you. And uh, one more from uh, Retha Bell. I'm loving this book, Mr. DeWitt. It's a true page turner. I'm realizing I need to see my ophthalmologist, however. I've, I guess she's having trouble seeing. I've always loved low country <laughs> novels and the true history of any area. I kept saying during the trial days that if you wrote a book, that's the one I want. I'm glad you're writing others. Uh, I just listened to the Bishop Preacher podcast. I found it quite interesting. I'm very Southern and love and hear you all speak. I'm in Gulf Shores, Alabama. I sound exactly like all of you. I would love to own the Wicked South when it's finished, and I love your book. Da, 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 da. I respect that you are growing and moving in all forms of writing as people read and hear all kinds of new media. Mr. DeWitt, the storytelling workshop for youth in your area is admirable. You have a beautiful talent. Thanks for sharing. It's a very nice Rita. Uh, again, it is the Wicked South podcast. Michael, great episode. We're going to do this again soon. Absolutely. And uh, I want to mention, you know, I, I enjoy uh, reading these reviews and, you know, every now and then, whether it's a book or a podcast, you might get a, a negative review. Sure. Maybe, maybe one reader doesn't, doesn't like it or doesn't get it. And, um, and that's okay. Everybody, everybody is entitled to, to their opinion and we want, we want people to share their reviews, good or bad. That's, that's how we learn. That's how yep. we grow. And I just want to comment on this, this great partnership we have. I, I know nothing about podcasting. I know nothing about, you know, this whole uh, realm of storytelling. And all I think I'm good at is, is, is writing and telling a story. And, and, and to have you and Seton to share your knowledge, you guys do some great research. You do some great journalism. And then, you know, I think just we work well together. I couldn't do this without you, you two. And I hope that this podcast, this partnership reaches a lot of people and, uh, and entertains and, and enlightens a lot of people. And it's all possible because we all bring our own strength, our own uh, skills uh, to yeah. this podcast. And I think we make a great team. Well, uh, thank you for that compliment, Michael. We, we appreciate it. You know, we uh, love working with you, too. You're, you're storytelling and your history knowledge and all the work you put into finding out uh, what's going on in these stories is appreciated by us and the listeners. Thanks, Michael. Thank you guys. And, uh, and Seton, we miss you, but we <laughs> look forward to seeing you soon. Uh, we will uh, talk soon, friend. Ah, spring. Nothing like the world progressing towards summer to inspire your own progress. That's what life's all about. In your career, relationships, and your finances. Let's talk about that last one. With the Chime Secured Credit Builder Visa Credit Card, it's easy to start building credit with everyday purchases and regular on-time payments with no annual fees or interest. And if your credit score grows, so could your opportunities for lower rates on loans, like for a car or home. Sounds like progress, right? With Chime Secure Credit Card, you can start improving your credit scores right away. Get started today at Chime.com build. That's Chime.com build. Chime. Feels like progress. The Chime Credit Bill Visa Credit Card is issued by Bancorp Bank NA or Stride Bank NA. Members of FDIC, out-of-network ATM withdrawal and OTC advance fees may apply. Terms and conditions apply. Go to Chime.com disclosures for details.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.